For I am crucified with Christ And yet I live Embrace the cross Where Jesus Welcome to Crossbound Ministries where we are bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world, encouraging Christians and pointing sinners to the cross. Will you please pray about supporting our broadcast and ministry that gives us the ability to spread God's word. You can get involved by going to crossboundministry.com. Please welcome our preacher, Mike Sadler, as he brings us an important message from God's word. Embrace the love Amen. Open your Bibles with me to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 is where we'll be today as we're going through the book of Corinthians, looking at it verse by verse, digging out the nuggets of truth that God has for us. Amen. So here in 2 Corinthians, Paul's writing to the church and it's about the moral condition of the Corinthians as Paul has invested a lot of time and effort in this church and he wants to see it grow in the Lord Jesus Christ and prosper not for themselves but for the Lord amen and so Paul looks at them as loving children that he cares and loves for and wants the best for so look with me now in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 1 the Bible says But I determined this with myself that I would not come again to you in heaviness. Those words I determined within myself that I would not come unto unto you again in sorrow, it implies that he may have probably made a very painful, a very sorrowful visit. And if you've ever had to do that, go to somebody you love and you care about, I mean genuinely, deep down in your heart, and you've had a painful, heavy, hard experience with them beforehand, it's even harder to go back that second time or that third time or that fourth time, whatever it may be. But when you truly love someone, you'll do whatever it takes to help get them back on the right path, as Paul truly loved the Corinthians here. So verse number two, Paul says, For if I make you sorry, who is he then that maketh me glad? but the same which is made sorry by me. So if, if Paul came to the Corinth with a, a personal rebuke to, to those Christians, it would, of course, it would make him sad. I'm having to get on you, kind of like a father when he has to whip his child, and, he, and you've heard that saying, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. And, of course, the, ch- the child has cannot understand that at all until you're in that position as a father and you have to spank your own child because it's for their own good because it will keep them on the right path not spanking them not rebuking them not getting on to them is actually worse than if you were to spank them yourself and so as a father looks at their child and says it's going to hurt me more than hurt you paul Listen to what Paul says. For if I make you sorry, who is he that maketh me glad but the same which is made sorry? It would sadden Paul. And he too would be saddened. And to hurt those people, 
And who's going to bring him joy, he says. So apparently, he must have got some joy because he didn't want to do anything. He loved them. And now he, hold on, he didn't just smooth it over and say everything's going to be all right. He still pointed them down the right path, as you should with your children, with your friends, with your family, with your church members. If you truly care about someone, you truly need to tell them the truth, even if it hurts. But just do it in the right manner, in the right way, in the right tone. And I believe that that is what the Apostle Paul is doing here in this verse. He is setting the tone, letting them know that I really don't want to do this. I really do love for you. I really do care for you. I really do want the best for you. He is setting the tone for what he's going to say. Uh, Ryer says, if I hurt you, who will be left to make me glad but sad people? That wouldn't be any comfort at all. Sad people don't bring much comfort, do they? No, they do not. Look with me now in verse number three. Paul says, And I wrote the same unto you, lest when I came, I should have sorrow from them of whom I ought to rejoice, having confidence in you all that my joy is the joy of you all. Rather than cause some kind of mutual sorrow through his personal uh, visit, Paul decides, I'm going to write you a letter. And sometimes when you have hard things that you have to say in a loving right way, sometimes a letter is a great way to do that. Now, this is more than that. This is inspired scripture from God himself who used the apostle Paul to pen it. But my point is, Paul here is using a letter to write to these people to say, I love you, I care for you, we want, we, you need to get this right. And his hope was the letter would accomplish that desire and that result for him. The Corinthians would exercise discipline in the correction with an offending brother, right? You have to uh, set things right. And that Paul's next visit, that those things would already be dealt with. They'd be out of the way. There would be no strain, no stress. Uh, and he could have a good, loving, cared-for visit. And so that's Paul's hope. He's hoping that they'll go ahead and deal with this before he comes. That way, when he comes, it will be a joyful visit. We'll all be joyful uh, together. In verse number four, Paul says, For out of much affliction and anguish of my heart I wrote unto you with many tears. Not that ye should be grieved, but that ye might know the love which I have more abundantly unto you. You know, in this verse, we're given a real insight to a man overlooking a flock who loves them so much like a pastor should love his church. And he says, hey, with much affliction and much anguish of heart, I write this unto you. It's hard, it's hurtful, it, it's afflicting, and it's it hurts my very heart to have to write this to you, but I have to do it. And so Paul was deeply pained by the fact that sin had been uh, tolerated in the church, in, in Corinth. And it's obvious that the apostle was, uh, he was more affected by the sin than the Corinthians themselves were. Kind of like when you see somebody you love and they're hurting their, their self so bad and they say, I'm not doing nothing wrong. I, I know what I'm doing. I got this. And you know that they are killing themselves. That's kind of what Paul was doing here. He's looking at them going, wow, this, this is bad. You've got to get this right. You've got to fix this. And so I believe he was more hurt in his heart than the Corinthians. The church was themselves. Why? Because, well, first of all, he was much more spiritually mature 
than those in, in that church. And just like a, a, an older adult, if you will, can look at a child and go, wow, you're going to really hurt yourself by doing that. Somebody that is truly spiritually mature can look at you and go, wow, you, you're really going to hurt yourself. You're really going to wreck your family. You're really going to do this. And if they really love you and really care for you, they are going to tell you uh, about it. And that's what Paul's doing here. And so they should not interpret this letter as an attempt to, to hurt their feelings. That's not what Paul is trying to do. He's trying to show them proof of his love for them. And his hope is in, in writing this letter that it would be sufficient to, to fix the situation, to remedy it, um, that it might bring joy back into the church. The Bible says, listen to me, the Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend in Proverbs 27, 6. In other words, a friend that truly loves you will not just tell you what you want to hear. A friend that truly loves you will not just say, man, that was great. You're so great. That is just awesome. There's nobody better. A real friend that really loves you when he really sees you're going to hurt yourself or you are hurting yourself will speak words of wisdom into your life and say, listen, I love you. You're about to really hurt yourself. Or you are tearing yourself up and you don't even realize that you are hurting your family, your church, your wife, your spouse, your husband, your children. You have got to get this right. And if they say it in the right way, like Paul is trying to do here, people will listen. Now, when you say it in the wrong way, you'll have no problem with them not listening to you. They'll turn you right off. And I don't care if you're screaming at them, they'll never hear a word that you say. But when you go to them in the right manner, like Paul is writing in this letter, he says, for out of much affliction, and anguish of heart I write unto you with many tears. And listen to me. When somebody comes to you in that manner, we shouldn't resent them. We shouldn't resist the counsel. Uh, we should see that they truly love us, truly care about us, and they're trying to warn us in a godly manner. Because it is not easy to go some, to somebody like that, even if it's a family member or somebody you love. If somebody has taken the time out of their day to speak words of wisdom into your life, please take a moment to listen to what they have to say. Don't roll up your guard. Don't shut them off and don't turn them off. Know that they stepped across a lot of their own feelings to get out of their comfort zone, to come and tell you this because they love you. We should realize that that person really loves us and really cares about us. Uh, and righteous rebuke uh, should be taken as this must be from the Lord. This person is righteously rebuking me. And I should be grateful and thankful for it that they love me enough to step out of their way to come and tell me this. Because not many will do that. Many people will watch you wreck your own life or hurt yourself or hurt your family and will never say a word. Won't ever rock the boat. Won't ever speak up. So if somebody does, please take the time to listen to what they have to say and heed it and apply it to your life and know that it was not easy for that person to come to you in love and openly speak words of, of rebuking righteousness. Amen? A righteous rebuke, however you would like to say that. But this person cared enough and loved you enough to do that. Amen? Look over now, verse number five. But if any have caused grief, he hath not grieved me, but in part, that I may not overcharge you all. So from here, from about verse to five uh, to eleven, Paul uh, refers more directly to the incident 
to the problem that there is that, that's caused all this difficulty. And if you notice the extreme, the extreme grace and Christian consideration that Paul shows, as me and you should, because that's a great testimony witness, an example for us to follow. He shows great grace and Christian consideration. Not, not once does he name uh, the offense or the offender. Now, he may have in person, but in this letter, he did not. He didn't write the offense or the offender, but we know there was a problem, and Paul is trying to get it right. Maybe the offense and the name of the offender was not the biggest issue. Maybe the biggest issue was getting it right. How many times we get hung up on they did this and they said that and they did this, that, this, that, and the other, and this happened, instead of just going, focusing on, hey, let's get this right. I did hear one preacher say, that they may have been doing this for 20 years and it's wrong, but now that you're here and you know about it and you don't do nothing about it, that's when what that's what truly makes it double barrel wrong right there because now you know about it and you should fix it. And the same, we should take that same uh, focus in our own life and in our own church and in our own home. Hey, this may have been going on, but this is wrong and I know about it now and I'm going to get it right and I'm going to fix it. Amen. And maybe it's something you've been doing all along and you just learned that it's wrong because that happens. But that's when you just get it right, right then. Right now is the right time to do the right thing. Amen? Look with me in verse number six. Sufficient to such a man is the punishment which was inflicted of many. So the believers at Corinth had agreed on a disciplinary action of the fender. Uh, church, uh, the church doing what they need to do to whoever it was that did this wrong. Church discipline. Apparently they had excommunicated him from the church. Said, okay, you went far enough, you've done enough, okay, you have to go now, right? And that, that's gotta be hard for any church of any age, of any time to do, to cut a person off from the church. And by the way, you must have to do something really bad for people not to want you to come to church, amen? And so, as we remember, the church is not a, not a building, uh, the church is the people. And so this person must have, must have really done something. Um, and so not, now Paul tells the Corinthians the punishment uh, has been sufficient. Uh, they, there's no longer, you don't have to prolong it. it, it it's done enough. It's sufficient. Now look, listen to verse 7 and verse 8. So that contrawise ye ought rather to forgive him and comfort him lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. Wherefore, I beseech you that you would confirm your love toward him. You hear what Paul just said? Now think about it. He's telling them that the punishment is sufficient. This person has paid for it. And listen, now he's telling them you, you ought to forgive. You ought to comfort this person. You ought to bring them back in and accept them and show your love and confirm your love toward him. Amen to that. That, that needs to be done even today. And now uh, that the man had become thoroughly repentant, there's the key. When somebody truly repents, you should truly forgive them. You should truly want to restore them as God does you so there is the key the man became thoroughly repentant and the corinthians should forgive and seek to strengthen receiving him back into their fold back into their fellowship 
Uh, if they didn't do this, there's a danger that this person might be swallowed up, might be destroyed with despair, depression, can't forgive themselves, discouragement, and oh my, can I just say, is that done by human nature? Yes, many times, and I'm guilty of this myself, that, you know, once somebody's went so far, done so much, you, you cut them off, and that's it. There'll be no more. Now, I don't mean they're actively trying to hurt you in your life, but here Paul is saying that, hold on, this person is thoroughly repentant. You should forgive him. You should comfort him. You should bring him back in. You should confirm your love toward him. And when a person is truly repentant and truly trying to get it right, hey, amen, you should truly, truly want the best for that person. Maybe your own feelings will never let you be as close as you used to be or as close as you want to be. But know this, God loves and forgives that person and thank God for that because there's something that you've done to somebody or said to somebody, even if you didn't mean to do it, there's something that you've done or said that somebody feels that same way about you. And see, we all want grace and mercy, but we don't always wanna give grace and mercy even though we should. So the Corinthians could uh, reaffirm their love to him by opening wide their arms, receiving him back with joy and tenderness and love and kindness. Amen. As we should with others, we should forgive others and want to strengthen others because ultimately it's not about them. Listen to me. It's not about them. It's not about what they did, what they said, what happened. It's about God. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's about doing what he said to do. It's about obeying the Lord. Amen. That's what it's about. That's the bottom line. The Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice. And know this, as I was telling Sunday school this past Sunday, that forgiveness that, that, that we oftentimes hold back from people because you feel like, well, I'm letting them off the hook. Uh, you know what they did? You know what they said? Do you know what happened? You know how bad this was? Do you know how long this went along? I can't forgive them. I'm not letting them off the hook. But listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, the forgiveness is not really for them. The forgiveness is truly and really for you and your own heart. Because if you hold on to that, it will eat you up on the inside and make you just as ugly. I tell you what, that bitterness will swell up and destroy every part of your being on the inside. It is horrible. It is horrific. It is like a cancer that eats away at your moral character and who you are as a person. You have got to forgive. You have got to let it go. You have got to be obedient to what the Lord Jesus Christ says. Forgive, forgive 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 your enemy restore that man back into the church back into the fold confirm your love to him so that he won't be swallowed up so he that won't be eaten up amen and that's because that's what god wants us to do it's not about how you feel it's about what god's word says amen look with me now in verse number nine for to this end also did i write that i might know the proof of you whether you be obedient in all things so in writing the first epistle to the corinthians paul put the saints to the test uh here was an opportunity for them to show whether they were obedient to the word of the lord as that paul ministered he had suggested to them they, they should put this man out put him out of the fellowship of the church and that's exactly what they did they listened uh proving themselves to be obedient to the word of god but now, now Paul would have them go one step further. 
the man has truly been repentant, and I want you to truly receive him back into the fold. So will they listen? Now, isn't that from one extreme to the other? First, Paul says, put him out, get him out of the church. But now Paul's saying, forgive him, restore him, love him, show him grace and mercy, put him back in the fold, bring him back in the church, show that you truly love him and have a heart for him, want the best for him, and want him to be restored, lest he be swallowed up, lest he be destroyed. Amen? How many people can be saved? I don't talk about, I'm not talking about born again, but I'm talking about saved from destroying themselves because the people at the church no longer accepted them. I'm talking about us as Christians loving people, even though they messed up, even though they went down the wrong road, even though they knew what was wrong and they did it anyways, even though they had, may have had a Bible degree, but yet they sinned. They may have had a Bible degree, but wind up in jail. They may have had a Bible degree and did this. They, they may have been in church for 40 years and they messed up and did this one thing. And they may be so embarrassed and humiliated that everybody knows about that, that if somebody would just reach out to them and say, you know what, I still love you. Do you know what? God still loves you. Do you know what? You're still God's man. God can still use you. Amen. Thank God for that. If you looked at the characters in the Bible and the things that they did and what God used them to do, you would go, wow, God still used that person? Yes. God still uses us despite all our flaws and all our mess-ups and, and all our stumbling and all our bumbling. God can still use you. God uses imperfect people to do His perfect work. Amen? And He wants to use you. Look with me now in verse number 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 10. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything to whom I forgave it for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. If you will forgive a certain person, rest assured that I'll forgive him too. Amen? Insofar as I had anything personally to forgive, I do forgive him, Paul writes. And Paul wants the saints to know that he is thoroughly in fellowship with them as they forgive this repentant offender. Listen to what the end of that verse says. For your sakes forgive I it in the person of Christ. There is the key. In other words, there's the key to success right there. It's in Christ. You can't do it in and of yourself. Your flesh will not let you. But when you will submit yourself to the will of God and to what God's holy word says, and in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, forgive this person, that's when you can truly do it. Because forgiveness is not natural. Forgiveness is supernatural. And I can I tell you, it distinctly marks you as a Christian. It distinctly marks you when you truly forgive somebody. It makes me think of the, the person, this young lady that had gotten killed, and uh, this man went to court and stood up and testified. And before that, people had been railing this murderer, telling him he's going to rot in hell and all these things. And he expected to hear that. It didn't even bother him. But this one man said, Sir, you have made it very hard for me to live out my faith. But I'm going to do what God says. And I forgive you. And I tell you what, that murderer broke down crying. You know why? Because what that man did was supernatural. It's supernatural. And when you forgive somebody like that, it's not natural. It's supernatural. And just like that verse says, in Christ. 
Make sure that you've been forgiven. Make sure that you've repented of your sins. Make sure that you've been born again, that you have truly repented of your sins. Put your faith and trust in the finished work of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. If you have been saved or are in need of a prayer, please contact us at 352-247-9200. That's 352-247-9200. Thank you for tuning in to Crossbound Ministries Radio Broadcast. Will you please pray about supporting our ministry and broadcast? You can go to crossboundministry.com or send your support or a gift to P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. That's P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. For a gift of $10 or more, we will send you a booklet. Please pray for us as our ministry and radio broadcast grows. Tune in every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. to hear a message from our preacher, Mike Sadler. You can follow Crossbound Ministry on Facebook, YouTube, and visit us on the web at crossboundministry.com. If you are a pregnant woman in need of help, there is hope. You can reach out to the Citrus Pregnancy Center. There are locations in Inverness and in Crystal River. Their phone number is 352-341-5176. That's 352-341-5176. This broadcast has been sponsored in part by Henley's Grading Incorporated for all your land clearing and hauling needs located in Hernando, Florida, 352-897-3507. That's 352-897-3507. This program is sponsored by Crossbound Ministry of Inverness, Florida.